Breaking down the biggest stories, talking about what really matters, and bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, here's Steve Scafidi. And good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome, well, welcome to the Tuesday show. Bruce Springsteen Day here in Milwaukee. Very excited about that. We'll be at the concert tonight. We'll tell you about it tomorrow in the 9 o'clock hour. Could be a late night. I don't care. I'm excited. I haven't seen him in a long time. Let's get right to it. I asked Vincent Eric this question. I ask you this question. Are we a country of liars? Why do I ask that? You've heard me talk about, we are certainly, this isn't even up for debate anymore, a country of complainers. We complain about everything. From Karen's complaining in grocery stores or retail establishments about something or another, prices, return policy, whatever it is, to airlines, I want that seat. I don't like that person. I don't like their politics. Shut the hell up in a crowded theater. All these complaints. But it's, it's more from that reality to a different reality. I'm going to play for you a couple short clips here. One really short, one a little bit longer. And that'll launch us into a conversation about why I say this when we're talking about January 6th, the COVID pandemic, vaccines, parents' roles in their kids' lives when it comes to remote learning or vaccines, as I said. It's a little bit of Tucker Carlson last night. Just listen to this. Like, I think it's like 20 seconds. Just listen to what he says. The protesters were angry. They believed that the election they had just voted in had been unfairly conducted. And they were right. In retrospect, it is clear the 2020 election was a grave betrayal of American democracy. Given the facts that have since emerged about that election, no honest person can deny it. Okay, first off, they weren't right. They're wrong, and they've been proven wrong in nearly every court in the land, and that debate continues, of course, because of people like Tucker Carlson. He actually went on to say this. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously revere the Capitol. They are there because they believe the election was stolen from them, incorrectly, I might add. They believe in the system. So I looked it up. That thing about revering the Capitol. You know how much it costs to fix the Capitol after these knuckleheads went to town on it? Oh, yeah, $30 million. $30 million. That's some real reverence on display there. Here's another look at the reality, or I should say a misrepresentation of reality, just on, the, just on January 6th. I haven't gotten to the other stuff yet. Listen to this one. To claim falsely that journalists and lawmakers... A bit of a fact check this morning after Fox News host Tucker Carlson aired previously unseen video of the assault on the Capitol on his show last night. What Carlson did is use selected clips from surveillance tapes provided to him by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to claim falsely that journalists and lawmakers lied about the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Scott McFarlane is in Washington. Scott, good morning to you. Uh, you've been following this very closely. What stood out to you? Yeah, Tony, good morning. The narrative last night ignores the tens of thousands of pages of court filings we've read and the tonnage of footage already released by the Justice Department and shown in open court. 
and it ignores the powerful and at times tearful accounts of injured officers who are testifying under oath. Carlson called January 6th, quote, mostly peaceful and meek with a small percent that was violent. He showed limited edited footage Monday night on his program that draws an audience of 3.5 million viewers and pointed to images of a few protesters shuffling through the halls of Congress. But our CBS News Review found more than 300 people charged with actually assaulting police amid the mob. And body-worn camera like this shows attackers using spray, sticks, and baseball bats, stolen riot shields, sometimes their bare hands to beat police officers and damage the Capitol. In the days after the attack, five officers who served at the Capitol that day died. That includes Capitol Officer Brian Sicknick. Carlson showed video of Sicknick, who died one day after the attack, walking through the Capitol. Carlson saying Sicknick, quote, looked healthy and vigorous. But according to the report from the D.C. Chief Medical Examiner, Officer Sicknick died after suffering two strokes at the base of his brainstem caused by a blood clot. He collapsed hours after being assaulted by the rioters. His family released a statement to CBS News Monday night saying in part, on video, Officer Sicknick looks like he managed to shake off the chemical irritants and resume his duties. His sense of duty sent him back in and no doubt contributed to his succumbing to his injuries. The chair of the House January 6th committee blasted Speaker Kevin McCarthy for giving the footage to Carlson to quote, spew lies and propaganda. The speaker defended his decision, saying those tapes belong to the American public. So a little flavor there, that, that piece was, was from CBS News, on just one piece of a larger question. Are we a country of liars? The answer seems to be yes. And I'll, I'll just lay a little baseline for you here. I haven't even gotten to the election, the COVID, the pandemic, all of those things which any reasonable, rational adult understands were complex issues in this country and have been dumbed down by folks like Tucker Carlson who are trying to make the case, apparently, that this is all nothing to see here. How, how shameful is it that he disregards the loss of life from one of the officers, not the five, the one, because he, he saw him in a picture looking okay, even though medical examiner said, not the case. 855-616-1620. I firmly believe that we have, a, we have a stand to make here. Reasonable, rational adults can reject the nonsense that's being spewed out every day, TV and radio, about all these issues. It's not entertainment, folks. It's dangerous. This, by the way, from a network who has been exposed brilliantly for the absurdity of the arguments they were making in public when they were making the exact opposite arguments in private. If you listen, if you watch, I encourage you to watch the video from January 6th. You'll see the truth. All of this stuff is political window dressing. Snake oil salesmen and women trying to desperately hang on to whatever power they think they still have. Politics as entertainment, that's not going to fix our problems. Matter of fact, 
it'll make him worse. One thing I know about Bruce Springsteen, having seen a lot of his recent interviews, he's very passionate about this country that we live in, as am I. Texter says, I can't listen. You know not of what you speak. I'm giving you the facts, folks, not political facts. Two vastly different things, completely different. Politics is entertainment. That's what CNN, MSNBC, Fox, that's what they do. Now, the folks at Fox have been caught red-handed. Now, they're going to pretend, using sleight of voice, that, ah, nothing to see here. And then they go on this rant last night with Tucker Carlson about, oh, it was a peaceful gathering. No, it wasn't. $30 million of damage, lives lost, including a protester. Let's not forget that, to be fair. Okay, so that's that's one piece of the, the great American lie that we are supposedly signing on for. Which takes us to the election lies. There are certainly a candidate, Donald Trump, who still acts like he's president, and he's not. And I could I could read a long list of conservatives who were pro-Trump, who have certainly understood that reality. It took them a while. Like, where you been, guys? But they got there eventually. I give him credit for that. A little slow on the uptake. But there's also others in Wisconsin that still believe the nonsense. Jim Ramthun, Mike Gableman, and others. You know, you want to hear some absurdity. After the election, I had Representative San Filippo on, who actually said in a live interview, we should have an election do-over. And I challenged him on that. Because that's not how America works. We don't have election do-overs. And the simple reality, whether you like to hear it or not, and you don't hear it enough, is the reason we went through two-plus years, now three years, almost, of agony over this stuff, crucifying city and county clerks in the process, local leaders in the process, voters in the process, is because one side was mad they lost. And to that, I say, put up a better candidate. You probably could have won. You're running against Joe Biden. Not the best candidate, my my opinion. You could have won that race if you'd have ran a better candidate. So we've had money spent on election conspiracies. We've had sheriffs get up and have grand press conferences about something they think was nefarious. Still waiting for those charges to be issued on those claims. Not happening. All these grand ideas about redoing the administration of our elections and all of these things, even though we have Republican-led legislature, none of that's happened. Of course, there's checks, as we know, on power, which is a good thing, because Wisconsin is, I'm starting to appreciate it more and more as a divided government state. And and on the on the election thing, and you can join us, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Most of us understand now that this is not something that just continually drives us. That's done with. Joe Biden's president. You don't have to like him, but he's president. One side wins, one side loses. 
And people who spread lies, which is why I call us a nation of liars now, people who do this professionally, of course, influencing those of us who don't do it professionally, the regular folks in this country, influencing not only their viewing habits now, but their predisposition to believe conspiracy theories. And I haven't gotten to COVID yet. And where that story is going now. We are a country that has accepted lies. And some of us are saying, no, we're not putting up with this. There should be more voices that care more about the truth than winning elections. And unfortunately, it's been drummed into people's heads that the only thing that matters is winning the election, not the work product, not getting to the best possible solutions, not fixing anything, but winning the election. We have a fake claim about a stolen election that a former president is actually running on who may have one or two indictments hanging around his neck as he actually prepares to run for a nomination for U.S. president. Who in their lifetime thought that would be a reality in this country? This is third world stuff. This is people fighting in political chambers other places in the world, brought to our shores by lunacy and the acceptance of lies as facts. 855-616-1620. Which takes me to the pandemic. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say every, every move, every declaration the CDC made was correct. But there's a little reality that people are forgetting here. Millions of people died. Now, you can, you can go throw that on the pile of pre-existing conditions. They still died, folks. And what we know now is not what we knew then. Would we have done things differently if we knew? Of course we would have. People wouldn't have been scrubbing their groceries down. They wouldn't be wearing masks all the time. All these things are Monday morning quarterback when it comes to the pandemic. A little interesting detail from a story I read yesterday about how parents dealt with the pandemic. I got it from the Journal for American Medical, the Journal of American Medical Association. It's titled Parental Non-Adherence to Recommendations COVID-19 Prevention Among Children. And the, the sad part is, you probably know this, some parents, not all, disregarded recommendations and sent their kids to school when they knew they had COVID, when they were exposed to COVID. And for all the COVID deniers out there, it's not just you or your kid. It's the person that that kid infects. And there's more and more evidence that suggests those infections led to unnecessary deaths. And don't take it from me. COVID was a real thing. Ask Janice Dean, who's the Fox weather person. She lost her in-laws in nursing homes from COVID. Take it to 
families who lost multiple members of their home unvaccinated, which was no guarantee of anything except you are less likely to die, which I think is a pretty good guarantee. My world. That's why I got the vax. Parents part of the grand lie, apparently, because they were inconvenienced for work or child care. There's a lot of shame to go around. But you know the great thing about this is, and this is where I'm going to take it next, we can do something about this by exposing the nonsense and saying to voters, you know what? Here's your opportunity. Throw out the bums who can't tell the truth, whether that's on radio, TV, wherever it is, elected officials, throw them out because they lied to you. That's step one. 855-616-1620. We're going we're gonna to work through this one. Love to hear what you have to say. We'll do that after the news, which is next on WTMJ. A lot of wisdom on the old National Bank talking text line, our conversation. Are we a country of liars? Well, there are certainly some occupations where there are clear demonstrations that's the case. Elected officials, yep. TV commentators, they're not journalists. Don't call them journalists. They're not. Even if they call themselves journalists. From Rachel Maddow to Sean Hannity, not journalists. They, they might be able to get away with entertainers, entertainers, but I'll call them liars. Because they want things to be true. So they use fake evidence to make their case. And it's, it's not unique to Republicans. It's just easy to focus on that because that's where a lot of the noise is coming from right now. Democrats, smartly, I would argue, are letting Republicans figuratively hang themselves. And, and just talking about January 6th, there's two kinds of Republicans now. I should say three kinds. One are normal, reasonable, rational adults who understand the significance of January 6th, why it was wrong, and in some cases have shunned Republicans in the party based on that knowledge. I'm not doing that. I will still overwhelmingly vote Republican in most races because I believe in the principles of smaller government, honest government, and not just handing out things willy-nilly because people like them, like absolving student loan debts unfairly. But set that aside. There's really The other two are, the, are these people. One, it's all a lie, or two, don't talk about it because it's uncomfortable and it challenges my perception and the public's perception of Republicans. And I scolded somebody yesterday away from the show in a nice way. I said, I could use a little support here because what your silence has done, I'm talking to really smart Republicans now, friends, sometimes family. What you've done with your silence is allowed the nonsense and the liar spreaders to win the day. And I'll, I'll remind Republicans, there's a reason why, minus the very small margin of victory in the Ron Johnson race, that you're losing races. Because you're losing independence and some Republicans based on this lie that you are promoting whether that's COVID, whether that's the elections, or whether that's January 6th. I understand it makes you feel good to pretend that nothing happened here. But that's not the real world. Most of us who go to work every day live in the real world. From the old National Bank talking text line. Your use of the word agony to describe the past several years is spot on. 
Silence is consent. Yeah, you think? I understand you want to win. Who doesn't want to win? But I have a conscience. So should you. And lying to win is not the way to do it. Fall outrage. Just apologize, Steve. Radio hosts. When I make a mistake, I apologize for it. I'm not wrong on this. Matter of fact, I'm one of, I'm one of the few talking heads who actually talks about this. Because, again, it's easy to not talk about it, to forget about it. Hey, if they don't think about January 6th or the election conspiracy of the $2.5 million, maybe they'll vote for us. Instead of understanding when you see results that you don't like, Republicans... Where's the self-introspection? Where's the, how can we do better? Instead, it's more conspiracy, more crazy, more nonsense. Steve, 920. All the media lie or exaggerate in one way or another. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Most of the lying comes from omitting or suppressing news stories that don't follow networks or newspapers' political views. Fox News is the only TV news outlet that brings out the suppressed news. No, they bring out the suppressed nonsense. How much clearer can I make this? What Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, and others were saying on their shows, I read what they said from the transcripts, was the exact opposite of what they were saying to the administration, to the former president, and to Republican leaders. Exact opposite. You know what the difference was? They were under oath in a trial based on their lies about a company who just counts votes, Dominion. They lied about it. And they're going to probably, barring some unforeseen thing that I don't think is coming, they're going to get whacked, in this case with Dominion, to the tune potentially of nearly $2 billion. It's a lot of money, even for Fox. And I've called out MSNBC. Rachel Maddow cheerleaded for Hillary Clinton for four years. And she called herself a journalist. No, you're a cheerleader. It was, it was, it was the MSNBC version of a fan throwing their panties on the stage for Elvis Presley or Tom Jones, basically. Gail from Wauwatosa. Yes, Steve, it was difficult to figure out what to do with the COVID when we were going through it. But the experts on Fox News were the ones who had the most information correct from day one. Again, what we know now is not what we knew then. Go back in time. We had seniors in senior care facilities dying every day. I just looked this up. Tons of unnecessary deaths in this country. And whether you think COVID was real or not, I don't care. It's real. That's my opinion. I'll say it over and over again. I said it from the beginning. It's not the flu, folks. A lot of people die from the flu, too. There's a flu shot for that. I would suggest you get it. But this idea that somehow seniors are expendable, or people who have, who have underlying symptoms of something else, obesity, Diabetes, whatever it is, are somehow expendable because they, quote, don't take care of themselves. Is not a country that I want to live in. That disrespect is built in. It's ingrained in this new fabric of using lies to promote 
one's party, which are dangerous. Back to the text line. How many people were convicted of insurrection? It's over 100. And they continue to be charged and convicted. I'll look up the exact number in the break. To think, as Tucker Carlson expressed last night, that this was somehow a peaceful gathering. Yeah, maybe miles away from the Capitol, sure. But not in the Capitol. $30 million of destruction. Lives lost. Police officers, the ones who didn't suffer from the beatings, died later. Many of them beaten, sprayed, pelted. What about that suggests peaceful gathering? The answer is none of it. So if you can continue to lie or create new lies based on the fact that Tucker Carlson got some video that no one else got, and he cherry-picked, again, the part that looked peaceful. Mike from Greenfield. There's a difference between giving an editorial comment versus blatantly lying false news, false conspiracy, as real as, as the broadcasters at Fox News should be suspended from television for their corrupt, inappropriate behavior in the, in the profession of journalism. Editorials are opinions and should be stated as such, a.k.a. I support Donald Trump, I support Barack Obama. But lying in journalism, and they, first of all, they're not journalists. If they call themselves, that's just one more lie. Greater consequences than, than money need to be applied for those at Fox. Yeah. And I'm a fan of Paul Ryan, but you're on the board. You better be expressing this loudly and clearly. Now, I know that Republicans have now branded him as a rhino, which if you're a real Republican, not a fake one, not the weird conspiracy-driven Republicans that somehow get all the attention in Wisconsin and elsewhere, you understand how ridiculous that comment is or that name is. A few more, then we'll get to break. COVID is real, but we need to figure out who is behind it. It came from China. Whether it's a lab or a market, it's here. If someone lied about that, absolutely. Find out why they lied. You think China's going to make reparations to the United States because they created this virus or it was created in a market in China? They're not going to do anything about it. They're in the interest of destroying us. So while this makes you feel good, again, conspiracies, it doesn't solve anything. People still died. People are still dying. Diane says, I hope Dominion kills Fox. There's not been a single day where I couldn't see through all of this. What the heck is wrong with people? Why aren't we screaming louder to get our country back? That's what I'm trying to do here. Enough with the silence, my Republican friends. Call out the BS. If you're a Republican strategist, if you work on campaigns, if you are an elected official, if you're a candidate for office, you may think not talking about it is somehow going to make it go away. No. Uh-uh. Or, the other side, if you pretend that you know something that you don't know or lie about something that you certainly don't know about, you're not helping anybody. 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talking text line. Phone lines are open. Jump in. If you disagree, tell me why. After this. Quickly, before we get to the phone lines, somebody asked me on, on email, why are you so fired up about this? 
Because we have destroyed the credibility of scientists. The FBI, CIA, government in general, subject matter experts, because we've decided to make this a political game. Because 30 or 40 years ago, some folks thought it'd be a great idea to just anger the base. And uh, you can call me a Trump hater if you if you want. I've, I've called out the times I think he did something. I, I love the fact he, he picked conservative Supreme Court justices. Said it a million times on the show, figuratively. Jim joins us on the phone. Hey, Jim, welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning, Steve. I'm kind of surprised uh, no one's been calling in. But what I would would say about all this lying thing, uh, I I would say Trump started the whole lying culture. Right away, he called out the news outlets as being fake news. And, you know, after listening to Trump for four years, he actually turned out to be the number one liar and exaggerator in the whole country, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he certainly, thanks for the call, Jim. He certainly demonstrated that behavior. This idea, I have people texting me right now that Trump won 2020, is going to win in 2024. You can believe that if you want to. You can vote for him if you want to. And here's what I say, and this is going to hurt your feelings. You may have, may have voted for him in 2016. The, the, the story was sexy. Drain the swamp. Who hasn't said that? Challenge the inaction in government. And I'll even give you a pass for 2020. But with all the evidence on the table, inability to get over a lost election, lies about a million things, potential looming indictments, you vote for him again, that's on you. I got to question that decision making in your skull, in your brain, your gray matter. You know, fandom, allegiance, cult worship is is something that has been defined in a lot of different ways in this country, from Jim Jones to actors to a lot of different walks of life. But this one, I don't understand. And Smarter people than me have thought about this, and they don't understand it. You can want to screw the government. You, you, want, you want to live in a country where militias control things. That's actually a real thing now. That militias are going to somehow lead to a better United States of America. You think? You know who loses? If militias run the country, everybody loses. Because we don't have a country anymore. We have a bunch of wingnuts, usually heavily armed, who have some pretty serious deficiency when it comes to, oh, I don't know, equal rights, treatment of women. Something to think about. Mike from Illinois, you'll be up next. On the phones, you can join us, 855-616-1620. I may keep going on this one because I'm fired up. You should be, too. Callers have been very patient. Let's go right to the phone lines. Mike from Illinois joins us. Welcome to the Tuesday show, Mike. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I am worked up on this Tuesday. I see that, and you have every right to be. Um, you know, the reason that you're not having a lot of people call in is because they agree with you, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, some people aren't being honest. Um, some people are, like you said, maybe part of a little cultish. And, you know, I voted for Trump in 2016, 2020, and I'm proud to say I did because I like some of the things that he did. However, even when he was running in 2016 for the nomination, he said plenty of things that I disagree with. 
And to tie this in with uh, your Bruce Springsteen intro, which I'm a fan just like you, when he was doing a live uh, uh, concert, and, well, of course, all concerts are live, but he was about to do the song War, and he was saying how blind faith in your leaders can get you killed. And he's right. Hopefully it would only get you hurt, but it can get you killed. So it's something for people to remember. Yeah, thanks for the call, Mike. Mike, a loyal listener of the show. I want to get Michael in from Menominee Falls. Welcome to the show. Good morning. You're on WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, everybody lies <laughs> in the government. I mean, even Ron Johnson, uh, he made statements about cutting Social Security and Medicaid, and then later on he denied even saying it when they have video of him doing it. Uh, Fitzgerald lies. Uh, it seems to be the way everything is done. They just say things, and when they get caught, they say they didn't do it. And it seems to be everybody, even in the state government. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Mike. All over the place. Yeah, Michael, I agree with you. i, I got to let you go so we can get the news here. I'm, I'm going to wrap it with this. I'm going to continue to talk about it because it's unacceptable. That's why I often read or play the actual words of the people who are involved in these stories or in the telling of these stories. The fact that you have commentators who say one thing in public, on the air, and then say the exact opposite when they're under oath should be all the evidence you need that they shouldn't be trusted, whether that's Rachel Maddow or Tucker Carlson. That's all I need. And if we're going to actually fix this, real fixing, you have to shun these people. And I know that's hard because, man, we are a country where people... Pull into their driveway, door goes down, they sit in that chair for six hours, usually eating dinner in the same chair they're watching TV in, and they consume this stuff like it's the Bible of facts. But it's nothing like that. It's the opposite. And to my Democratic friends who deny that they get involved in these things, wake up as well. And certainly my Republican friends, if we talk about election-denying you know, trying to redo the history of the pandemic because it's uncomfortable for you. The public sees through this. The only question that's out there is, will they punish you for that? We have a race coming up in, in one month. I think that race, like the race for governor, and almost in the case of the Senate race with Ron Johnson, squeaked out a victory by, what, 27,000 votes? Public is speaking on this. Are you listening? Breaking down the biggest stories, talking about what really matters, and bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at The Avenue, here's Steve Scafidi. And good morning. Welcome to 10 o'clock hour. Spent the first hour asking this basic question. Are we a country of liars? And right now, my answer is yes. And I'm, I'm not confident, one, that most people understand the question, two, that anybody is serious enough to want to do something about it. So that, let's set that aside. I saw yesterday, as we prepare for the April 4th election for an open, soon-to-be open seat in the Wisconsin Supreme Court, that the candidates, former Justice Daniel Kelly, Milwaukee County Judge Janet Protosiewicz, have agreed to one debate. 
March 21st, co-hosted by the State Bar of Wisconsin, wispolitics.com, and WISC-TV. That's Channel 3 in Madison. Protosawitz declined to appear with Justice Kelly in several other debates. Kelly has agreed to be in any and all, and I think he's still going to appear in some of those by himself. So somebody asked me last night, I'm going to answer the question, what do you think about this? I don't like it. Simple as that. Important election. They're all important. I, I'm not a big fan of the most important election in our lifetime, but some people have cast it as such. I could care less about that. I vote in every election because they're all important. But I also understand that the public has limited access to the candidates. Limited access. Mainly through very short sound bites on local TV. And the rare occasion that these candidates are asked to appear on national television would be even a shorter amount of time. Now, I say this at the same time. I'd like to see more debates, and I, and I hope that at some point maybe there'll be one more scheduled. I'm not confident, and I'm sure that Judge Janet Protosiewicz feels very confident given what happened in the primary. But again, reminder to Democrats, liberals, I should say, even though this is a nonpartisan race, any but who pays attention to Wisconsin politics, no, that's not the case anymore. We can pretend, but I'm not a big fan of pretending. Whether that's this nonpartisan race, supposedly, or any of the other things I talked about in the first hour. Not a big fan of pretending or wishing that something was cast in a certain light because it makes me feel better or makes my party look better. Not a fan. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking tax line. Curious what you think about this. Is this Protosawitz feeling overconfidence? Is she protecting her interests? Do we need more than one debate? I have argued that we do, with a couple of caveats. I've asked for this for many years on this show. For the love of whoever. Stop putting audiences in debates. It serves no purpose. It actually makes them seem not important. Makes them seem trivial. I know that venues can sell tickets or give away tickets to promote their venue. I don't care about that. The most important thing that voters, that's us, can learn from the candidates is their words, not audience reaction. I don't need six people asking the questions because you want to have a diverse group of panelists. Sort that out on your own time. Pick who you want. Give me one, possibly two interviewers, and that's it. Don't dumb it down with nonsense. As many debates as possible, maybe one a week. And then you know what? I don't need cheering. I don't need an audience. I don't need audience questions. Most of them aren't that well-formed and, and really don't get to the heart of the matter. And if you listen to the show last week, I told you what this race is about. For some voters, it's a reaction to extremists in, in politics. And you can take that for either side, whether you think Judge Janet Protosiewicz is an extremist or Dan, Daniel Kelly, because there's two arguments to be made there, two different arguments. One very strict interpretation of the Constitution, one that says it's a living document and has been misinterpreted, my word, 
in recent rulings. And that difference of opinion is not going to change. The other one is, of course, and this is, I'm like one of the few people that says this, this is a voter reaction to political nonsense, even though a lot of people don't understand that yet. You could be an early advocate for smarter politics, a smart take, not wishful thinking, not what my party wants, not what some squawking head thinks, but what actually makes sense for the country. Because, again, I'll lay it out for you, baseline it for you again. We have serious problems to deal with. Border policy, potential recession, economics. In Wisconsin specifically, jobs unfilled because we don't have available workers. Those are real problems. Requiring adults in the room, not political hacks or political pretenders. Not people who want to endlessly review previous elections or call them stolen or rigged, but people that actually abide by the results, whether you win or lose, and work harder next time for their candidate or for their party. I fully support that effort. But on this issue, debates, I'll be honest, I want more in the way that I fashioned a few minutes ago. 855-616-1620, your thoughts on the debate culture in Wisconsin. Apparently one's going to be enough at this moment. Should we demand more from our candidates? Kelly says yes. Protosawitz says, eh, one's good enough. I disagree. Your thoughts after this. This is the Steve Scafidi Show on WTMJ. Oh, sure. Milwaukee traffic's nothing, they said. You can get anywhere in five minutes, they said. Ugh, I've been sitting here forever. Oh, wait, I know who can help out. Looks like we've got a full three-way closure on 43 northbound, starting right about at Silver Spring. If you're caught in the backups, you want to exit at Hampton and make your way over to Highway 57. <sighs> Thanks, Debbie. No problem, noble commuter. You can hear me mornings and afternoons on WTMJ. Hey, this is WTMJ Steve's Cafeteria for Educators Credit Union. I'm a brand-new member, and I absolutely love it. Being a parent... I know this, you know this, can be busy. Mind and Money from Educators Credit Union provides an easy way for parents to pay allowance, sign chores, and teach financial lessons all from their phones or computer with no monthly fees. Children and teens can even receive their own debit card, and parents can set limits and track their spending. It's a win-win and just another great perk of being a member. Join me, brand-new member at Educators. Learn more at ecu.com, friendly insured by NCUA. Get ready for spring with a little help from your neighbors at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Right now, save on five-gallon pails of Farm and Fleet 15W40 diesel oil on sale $59.99. Stock up on Clean Def diesel exhaust fluid, two and a half gallons, just $12.49. And make sure your equipment is ready for the roads with new trailer lights from Blazer, now 10% off. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Find value at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Don't buy from the dealer open houses over the next two weeks or risk overpaying by thousands. New Generation RV has only a few weeks left before they hand the keys over to the amazing Marquardt RV family. The remaining inventory of travel trailers, fifth wheels, and golf carts all need to be liquidated to make room for the Marquardt's new inventory. New Generation RV is selling the majority below invoice. All golf carts, a minimum of 1,000 off sale prices. Brands like Keystone, Heartland.
Heartland, Cruiser, Forest River, Gulfstream, Epic, and more. This is not a gimmick. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to buy a new camper at massive discounts. New Generation RV will have extended hours, and when possible, the sales team will even do their best to meet you after hours. Don't let the weather bother you. New Generation RV has a huge showroom full of RVs and golf carts so you can shop in comforts. New Generation RV, six miles east of Lake Geneva on Highway 50 or at NewGenRV.com. Now, more of the Steve Scafidi Show on WTMJ. Little Bruce Springsteen there for you as we get ready for the big concert tonight. I'll have a full report tomorrow in the 9 o'clock hour. Things I observed about the uh, collective audience at the Pfizer Forum. Looking forward to it. Um, we're talking about the debates. Well, I should say debates. One debates, Justice Daniel Kelly. He wants more. His opponent, Judge Janet Protosewitz, says, well, one's good enough for me, March 21st, hosted by a local TV station in Madison and two other organizations. So uh, from the text line, the old National Bank talking text line, phone calls are welcome as well, 855-616-1620. Supreme Court election comes down to this. Women's vote goes to Janet Protosewitz, abortion rights stance, an old white mentor, Dan Kay, Dan Kelly. Dan will continue to stress his upholding the Constitution as written. I tried to ask Justice Kelly this question a couple different ways. I had him on the show right after the, he, won, he uh, was a second-place finisher in the uh, primary a couple weeks ago. He was on with me that next morning. And then I asked him again in our WTMJ conversations last week, along with Charles Benson. I'm going to get to Charles in a second here because somebody asked a question about why he asked a certain question at the end of it. Um. This idea that the Constitution is just the Constitution and we just follow it. The fear of the word interpretation. Keep in mind, everything evolves, everything changes, nothing is ironclad. Even the Second Amendment has changed. Even the First Amendment has been changed in its interpretation by justices. What is or, what is or isn't free speech? What is or, or isn't What's appropriate with guns? Those things evolve. They change. Equal rights. Pick one. Treatment of individuals. Fair and equal treatment under the law. All of those things change. Scott joins us from Madison. Welcome to the show, Scott. You're on WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Yeah, I love your show. Thank, Thank you, you for being there. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to comment about your criticism of the debate formats i think you're exactly right because when i was in high school i was on the debate team and i learned the rules i learned the techniques i learned how you you know made points how you scored points and since i've graduated i've yet to see a single debate follow any of those rules yeah it's so extreme you shouldn't even call them debates because they're not that they're more press conferences with with journalists mainly asking questions like they would if they had a chance to sit down with both candidates in their studio they're not debates they're not actually there's not a back and no, forth generally no, they're not, and I and I learn almost nothing from them, and especially your point about the cheering crowds or the audiences. I I think those add nothing to to the format. Yeah, thanks for the call, Scott from from Madison. Look, I know why they do it. It's part of the the you know the hype of a an event. Oh, local station, whatever, hosted this debate. We invited our selected guests, and at some point we may even take a question. I get a question from the audience. I get all that. It doesn't add to anything. It's, it's the lazy part of local news, the part I don't like. It's, it, to me, it's the equivalent of 
shoving a reporter on a freeway overpass in a snowstorm. What else you got? We've seen this a million times. Stop doing this. Same thing with debates. Cheering, people yelling out, they don't add to the debates. Give me one or two moderators, both candidates, in a room, ask them the questions. And let them ask questions of each other. Or at least respond to each other. With appropriate rules. Cut their mic off if they won't stop talking. I'm fine with that. From the old National Bank talk and text line. They are both obviously flawed, absolutely flawed candidates. Dora would have been best for both sides. You know, the Dora argument, she ran, she lost. I actually like Judge Dora. I complimented her when she was on the show. But she lost. She didn't finish in the top two. And whether she runs again, probably will. We'll see what happens that time. So let's not get lost in the details. But, yes, the Democrats depend on auto voting just because of the of the uh, detached. Both sides do this, Texter. Both sides. Far too many people in this country, for my liking, maybe not for yours, look at a ballot when they either get it in the mail or when they go to the polling place. Where's the Republicans at? Where's the Democrats at? But lazy. Knowing nothing of the race, knowing nothing of the candidates. That's why we get the crazies in Washington or the crazies in Madison. Because you haven't invested any time beyond a letter after the name. From the 608, they already did the primary panel discussions and have been doing plenty of interviews. One debate is fine. I welcome your opinion. I, I welcome more debates. Real debates, not fake ones. Not ones that are obviously biased to an audience that thinks one way or the other. From the 262. Maybe I should have voted. Maybe she would have won. I assume you're talking about Doro. Maybe. 20% of the adult population who could have voted, voted, which was actually a good turnout. Almost a million voters. And I would caution folks who feel very confident about Judge Janet Protosiewicz's candidacy. Primaries aren't the general. I've won primaries back in the day and lost generals. It can happen. Not often, but it happens. From the 414, isn't it interesting that young people in school can follow the rules better than adults do? It's a fascinating point. Why is that? And I would say younger people, because as I've talked about on this show, we seem to lose something at the, the latter stages of middle school and on to high schools. And on that point, somebody emailed me last week and said, you're so hard on education, educators and the educational environment, school districts. You know what? We need to be hard on them. I'm married to a teacher. I know a lot of teachers. I know a lot of school board members. And I pay attention to the relationship between school districts and communities because I was a mayor once, if you didn't know that. Despite all the best efforts, despite all the degrees walking around in most school district offices, they can be wrong on occasion. We see that with the rise of parental rights and saying, hold on a second, this doesn't represent our community. Does that mean the parents are right? Absolutely not. Do I like the, the involvement of parents? Yes. If it's appropriate, not threatening, 
and at the end of the day improves the educational environment. Back to the debate question. Uh, Steve, I like I like the fire. The debates aren't really discussion of issues, but an hour of so-and-so of candidates talking points. One is enough for me. We're going to find out on the 21st, because as of right now, that's the one debate in this election for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Voters in Wisconsin supposedly are energy, energized for this one. Whether more Democrats or more Republicans are energized, that's the only question remaining. But as I wrap the conversation about debates, I need more than one. I want real debates. Forget the audience, the waste of time and energy. It, it makes you look foolish. Just like putting a reporter on a freeway overpass in a snowstorm also makes you look foolish and out of date. And I know you don't like to hear that, local stations. But if I'm not saying it, who does say it? Quick break. Oh, the fabulous Bruce Springsteen. My night will be made if he plays that song. He'll play Born to Run, I'm sure of that. But a lot of us folks will be at the concert Pfizer Forum tonight. I think it's at 7.30. And he usually starts on time. And then he just plays his heart out. And I'm not going to entertain any I don't like Bruce. Everybody likes different things. I love Bruce Springsteen. It's part of my growing up and high school experience, college, and the rest of my life. And songs like that are part of the reason why. Anyway. My show poll is up. Maybe Bruce Springsteen will run for office at some point when he's done performing, which doesn't seem like anytime soon. And if he's out there, if he's in Milwaukee as we speak, as a fan, lifelong fan, I saw his Howard Stern interview, loved it. I saw his Broadway show, not in person, but on the Internet, as they say, as the kids say. And I loved it, the, the introspection, the, the willingness to kind of, you know, reveal what was behind the songs. I loved the story that he told about the piano in his aunt's house that she let him sneak into the house and play. Self-taught. And somebody, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show, but I'm, I'm taking piano lessons because it was on my bucket list. And I'm, my wonderful teacher, Shelly, is um, probably, we're probably about four or five months, maybe six months into it. And, you know, I'm learning more complex songs. The interesting thing about piano this has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about, by the way, but I was prompted by the Bruce story about his aunt's piano. Um, the wonderful thing about piano, the difficult thing about piano is it's very hard to play because I know the notes. I was a trumpet player in high school. Your hands move. Where you start changes based on the music and all of those things happening at the same time. And just the complexity of, of doing two things with, with your both hands at the same time. I can't even imagine what it takes for Bruce, for example, to play the piano, play the harmonica, <laughs> and then when he's not playing the harmonica, sing the words of the song. That's a, a complex, that's like chess playing in the world of music. Am I overstating it? Maybe a bit, but it's complex, and that's what I love about Bruce. All right, so I made my show poll today. And, and by the way, thanks for tuning in, and thanks for all the nice comments as well. I made some people mad this morning. That's okay. Food for thoughts on politics because the current state of affairs people lying all the time is not making this better all right so here's sort of a political question that i'm going to put out there if you're not on the twitter at 620 wtmj or at wtmj steve the run-up to the 2024 presidential election has begun and given that americans have voted for reality tv stars before look at the world of tv movies 
who might be that next star who could be president? Now, I've already gotten beaten up because I, I put a few examples. These aren't exclusive. I could have put a million people. Did I hear actor Ben Savage? Is that his name? Child actor? He's running for something. Uh, the, uh, the Adam Schiff seat in Congress in California. So I gave you a few. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We have 150 votes already, about 36% of the votes. He's a guy who hasn't said no to sometime running for politics, but boy, with the money he's banking from his movies, why would you? Oprah Winfrey. I said that would have been popular maybe four years ago. I think that ship has sailed. She's at about 10%. John Stewart, who I call a talented comedian and a crusader for both veterans, 9-11 survivors and the first responders. And no one's done better work in that area than John Stewart. Uh, he's got 42%. He's the leader on the course. Other comments. Uh, impossible to see the future it is. Clouded by the dark side of the force, is it? So up north, Dan, having some fun with some Yoda language. Uh, Joltz says on Twitter, I would love to see a President John Stewart in 2004, but I'm not sure I would in 2024. Oprah has made too many questionable endorsements of terrible people in books that I don't trust her. Let's see what President Dwayne Johnson has to offer. Jerry says, that's the poll today. and Yeah, Jerry, that's the poll. Tell you what, Jerry, you write in your ideas for the poll with the possible answers that I often provide, and then we'll consider them. How about that? Carol says, these aren't re reality TV stars. That's why I said stars in the second part of the post. Got to pay attention. And I love the fact that you're weighing in, so I'm not going to criticize you for that. Biggest reality TV franchise, this is from Carol, is in existence is Celebrity Housewives. Can I just say this about Celebrity Housewives? As much as I bash the Kardashians as a scourge on our culture, this thing needs to go away now. These aren't real people. They're fake people. They damage our culture. You shouldn't watch them, and they should go away today. And any, likewise, any show attached to that franchise also should go away. My opinion. Strong take, but the smart take. Uh, Heidi says, won't be voting for a TV star. Well, I'm going to go on a limb and say at some point there will be a TV or movie star in the office of president again. Uh, Tom says, you, better choice than the other three. Thank you, Tom. That kind of makes up for all the people who called me a-holes, and all the other things they said earlier in the show. George Clooney is one that people came up with. On the old uh, old National Bank talking text line, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Hmm. He's getting a lot of love. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Just I want to put it out there. If you haven't voted, vote on Twitter, 620 WTMJ or WTMJ Steve. Somebody asked me a question this morning I want to address uh, right now, and then we'll go to break. When are the TV cameras happening? We are testing currently. I am told we are weeks away. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this. We want the best product possible. We don't want the one camera focused right in our faces. We want some angles. We want group shots, guest shots. As you know, I have a lot of guests on typically, mainly later in the week. So we want to make that the best product possible with some branding opportunities there. And I'll say this, just in total self-serving fashion, Everything on this show is available to be sponsored or branded. I love that because that shows commitments from the audience and consumers. But my only caveat is 
if I talk about it, I use the product or endorse it for real specific reasons. Always been true. Always will be true. All right, we'll take a break. Moving on after this on WTMJ. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday edition, Springsteen Day. Boss, certainly welcome to join the show. I, people said, why? You think he's going to come out? I don't know. Maybe that's something he does. Maybe he's sitting around in his beautiful hotel room, or maybe he's warming up at the five serve, doing a little warm-up. I tell you, the guy's talented. You may not even like his music, but appreciate the, uh, the talent that he has. Songwriter, singer, musicianship. All at the top of the charts. That's why I've been a fan for almost 50 years. All right, I saw this story. And the by the way, the, the uh, TV stars slash movie stars list is growing. Mark Wahlberg, George Clooney. Who else is on this list on the uh, text line? Uh, Kurt Warner. Yeah, does he have political ambitions? I don't think so. Uh, so thanks to uh, folks who are... Chiming in on that, 855-616-1620. I saw this story, one of my favorite websites. You should check it out. It's got a lot of great, interesting kind of slices of life, cultural stories, trends, some of the categories, family, health, science, society, politics, studyfinds.org, studyfinds.org. So here's the headline. Beauty obsession, question mark. People spend four hours a day trying to enhance their appearance. Four hours a day. So I'm thinking about this on the ride to work this morning. Five minutes in the shower tops. If I shave, it's another few minutes. You dress. Not that hard. I don't have to dress up for work anymore, for the most part. Another five minutes. What does that give me? 15 minutes? How do we get to four hours? Now, the reason is people are obsessed with their appearance. That's not surprising. This, is, this goes way back. Now, the study came from 93,000 people in, 90, in 93 countries. The reason most people cite, they want to look good to attract a mate, lover, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. Interesting about the modern age, digital age. People who spend more time on social media spend more time on their appearance. You know why that is? Because all the damn pictures they posted themselves doing this and doing that, sometimes doing nothing, my take. It also promotes a unrealistic form of beauty. And if you've been on any Facebook or TikTok or Twitter, <laughs> so many people want to post pictures of themselves doing things. And having met a lot of people in my life, not, not everybody's that interesting. So the funny dance, the you know ranting and raving about whatever, it's usually not that interesting. There's an art to it, believe it or not. Having knowledge, experience, details, those things all matter as part of the argument. But we'll set that aside. This goes all the way back to the caveman days. They put pigments on their face, on their bodies, to attract or in some cases, warn their enemies. And through time, this has evolved to makeup. So I'm just curious. 93,000 people, average four hours, everything from showers, the baths, the hairdos, blow drying, makeup, clothing. I think that's nuts. 
Maybe you can even throw in making videos of yourself wearing the clothes that you took so long to pick out. Hairstyles, clothing, I said, personal hygiene, exercising. I suppose that's part of personal. I could see that. So if you work out for an hour, that adds to the mix. So hour 15 would be for me. Going on a diet, eh, sort of. I wouldn't count eating as part of that. But if you're eating smart, maybe i give you a slight allowance for that. 855-616-1620. Average person, four hours in all of the related activity that has to do with appearance. I think that's nuts. Maybe that has to do with our obsession for appearance. Maybe that's why we're damaging our young people with that hyper-obsession with appearance. Your thoughts after this. Somebody asked me during the break, how would I know if it's the real Springsteen? Because his voice is probably, hey, thanks for having me on, Steve. You know, his voice is not that difficult to do. It's kind of husky and hoarse sometimes. All that singing he does, that tremendous singing. Yes, I will be at Pfizer Forum. Yes, I will be excited. Yes, he will play for a long time. That's what he does. You get your money's worth out of a Bruce Springsteen concert. All right, we were talking during the uh, lead-up to this break, last break, about the, the time that a study found that, on average, people spend four hours on their appearance. Now, there's a broad definition of that from clothing obviously the hygiene part working out I, that if you add all that maybe i get to two hours maybe four hours seems excessive and maybe that that fascination with appearance is one of the reasons we have the issues we have perhaps uh diane says um oh it has to do with the connection about the cosmetic surgery story in mexico sad story americans go there and, and two uh, are killed and apparently two are injured um, it's just, and I know that people love to go to Mexico. I'm not a fan of that country. And I've said it over and over again. And, and I know people personally have been impacted by crazy things that have happened in, in some of these resorts down there away from the resorts, certainly a risk as well. I just, I wouldn't put myself or I wouldn't want my family in that situation, but that's me. A lot of people like going to Mexico and that's probably not going to change. Two, six, two, four hour average. What is the standard deviation? I don't know. You tell me. I could maybe, if, if you take all of these various details, working out, thinking about your diet, maybe cooking a meal that's healthier, maybe um, if, you're, you know, if you're someone that blows dry, blow dries their hair, makeup, if you do that, you could get to two hours, but four hours seem excessive. Now, if you throw in making obscure videos that very few people watch, but the rest of us, of us who follow you are subject to, maybe that it gets it up a bit. Any wonder why kids aren't learning? They spend all their time making TikTok videos. Is that shocking or surprising to anybody? I don't think so. Do I have another break yet, or am I, am I good? I'm good. Thank you for that, Mr. Brandon. Very busy back there. Big-time sports guy. Had a hot take. Maybe we'll get to that at some point during the rest of the show. Or was it a smart take? I said it was a smart take. We'll let you decide. Um, for the 262, humans are visual creatures. Even non-modern cultures, tribes, can spend lots of time tattooing themselves to make a statement and fit in. 855-616-1620, you want to jump in quick. You know, the tattoo thing is interesting to me. I made this point last week. It used to be people who were tattooed were the risk-takers, the uh, adventurous, the, the wild childs, right? Now the people who don't get tattooed are almost a minority. Untattooed will be the uh, the uh, difference makers. Oh my God, they're clean, no tattoos. 
when everybody else is walking around with sleeves and face tattoos and neck tattoos and everything else tattooed. No judgment against tattoos. You, you do you. I'm just saying the desire to be unique and different goes away when most people are tattooed and very few people aren't. It's a profound comment on a Tuesday. I'm just getting warmed up for the week. And we will have some Springsteen. Somebody asked me if we'll have Springsteen content tomorrow. You bet we will. And we'll make it fun. We'll make you appreciate the boss. And as I said before, Bruce Springsteen, if you're out there, if you're getting ready for your warm-ups, if you're laying around at the hotel listening to AM radio, <laughs> which may or may not happen, he also got a vote for a future star to be running for president. I don't know if he would do that. He's passionate. He's smart. As the texter said, yeah, he, he leans left. I'm, I'm sure that's not surprising to anybody. Here's the thing, though. You know, on the whole politics, you can lean left or right. I don't care. You still could be a great person. I don't, like, say to somebody, oh, my God, you voted for that person? You're evil? That seems to be the jump that a lot of people want to make now. No, that's crazy. Don't do that. All right. An interesting 11 o'clock hour. We have some audio. One is from an Idaho lawmaker on this idea that no no one more surprising than Marjorie Taylor Greene has uh, espoused, this division, changing the lines based on red state, blue state, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. Actually, people are talking about this now. Used to be whispers in a dark room in the back of a restaurant or a bar. Now it's discussed openly. We'll get to that. And this dude who says he's going to lose weight 50 pounds in six months on an all-McDonald's diet. We, we're going to hear from that in, interesting individual in the 11 o'clock hour. That's all coming up. Just getting warmed up on this Tuesday. Join us, as always, 24-7, 365, the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620. Breaking down the biggest stories, talking about what really matters. And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, here's Steve Scafidi. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. A special welcome to Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, who are apparently camped out at Pfizer Forum. I texted just said they saw about six big trucks sitting there. Maybe some uh, warm-ups and the instruments ready for that big concert tonight. I will be there. I heard Dave Spano said he's going as well, so hopefully we'll see Dave out there. Hopefully we'll see you out there. If you see me and you recognize me, say hi, and I'll say hi back. I'm not that way. Open invitation at Bruce's uh, board this afternoon. Board right now, I should say. Well, you can call me if you want some myself. Uh, just call 855-616-1620. We can talk about music, your concert, coming back to Milwaukee, Bomb Scare in 1974, anything. Fair game. Politics. Speaking of politics, spent the first hour telling you why I think we're a nation of liars, and I think the proof is in the pudding every day. Just watch TV, listen to the radio. Not this show, but others. So I was perusing television the other night, and I saw this piece. You're going to hear from the state of Idaho, Senate Minority Leader Melissa Wintrow, talking about what is a... Certainly a hot topic, given what Marjorie Taylor Greene said last week or the week before about red state, blue states, people moving to places. Well, how about if you move the lines? Listen to what one legislator in Ohio 
or Idaho, rather. What did I say? Ohio, uh, Ohio. Like, what is it, Japan? Idaho. I got stuck on Iowa and Idaho at the same time. Anyway, Idaho, Senate Minority Leader Melissa Wintrow on the idea of shifting lines of states. You know, this has been an interesting experience from the very beginning when I was approached about uh, just listening to a conversation, uh, you know, uh, just over two years ago. It made sense right away. It made sense to look at some like-minded people and, and also... Um, for us in Idaho, why not have that conversation? We've been the fastest growing state in the nation. We have, you know, a lot of people moving in here to look at that landmass, to look at the resources, the water, the timber, you know, the minerals. Why not have that conversation? And on top of it, we look at what's happening to Eastern Oregon. They, they do not share the same values as those who are passing and making these decisions. These decisions are completely antithetical to a constitutional republic. It's really kind of disappointing. Do both states have to agree to this? Yes, uh, both states would have to agree to this. And then uh, if that happened, then it would go to Congress and Congress would then have to approve it. And though many people say, you know, this, this is not possible. There's a lot that has to happen before you know, for this to even be considered, I say, I grant that. This seems like a, a big wish list. But you know what? Without taking these steps and having these conversations and Oregon having their counties vote to move forward on this, it certainly wouldn't happen. But, you know, personally, I think it could happen. I, I, I like the idea. That is for the state of Idaho. When I get her name right, give her credits. Minority leader from the Senate, state Senate, Melissa Wintrow. Uh, she told that to Fox News. All right, so a couple things going on here. The specifics of this, it's part of what's called the Greater Idaho Movement, would try, and first of all, this is not going to happen, but it is being talked about seriously. Here's a legislator talking about it, and I'm talking about it. It would incorporate 63% of, of Oregon's landmass, property, land, and 9% of its population within Idaho's borders, i.e. the border would move. So why is this happening? Well, it's it's a clear representation of the political divisions in states like Idaho, Oregon. How about Wisconsin? Much has been made about the Madison-Milwaukee hard left lean and the rest of the states. More right-leaning, more rural, more conservative. And again, this is trumpeted by people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and others who think the answer to all the division is just to separate. To create new lines in the case of Idaho and Oregon. Or maybe in the case of Wisconsin. Everything north of Highway 10. I'm just picking a random state highway. Everything north of Milwaukee and Madison, find a highway that goes across. That would be your line. They're a different state now. Or they're part of Upper Michigan. Maybe Upper Michigan and Northern Wisconsin become a state. A different reality. Although I would say that, since I have listeners in the UP, I don't know that listeners in the UP have the same mindset as listeners in Northern Wisconsin. Could be wrong on that. And if you're up in that area, because I know our signal goes everywhere, Love to hear from you, 855-616-1620. The search for a geographical solution to what ails us politically. Far-fetched, perhaps. Secession, is that the answer? A different way? 
radical way, civil war, as some people would like you to believe. Is that the answer? 855-616-1620. The war between states, but not just that. The war in state after this. Yes, yes, yes. Bruce Springsteen live at the Pfizer Forum tonight. I will be there along with a lot of other folks. Full House. One of America's greatest artists. Legend. Big part of my life musically. Starting with that album in high school. Loved it. Still love it. And to hear him perform that song uh, acoustically is also a great thrill. And I, I mentioned the piano playing. The, the ability to be self-taught. To, to create masterpieces on the piano when, when he didn't take a lesson. There's only a few people that you can call musical geniuses, and Bruce Springsteen is one of those. So that's why I'm going, and that's why I'll talk about it tomorrow in the 9 o'clock hour. All right, so we were talking about states saying, you know, let's move the borders. If these people agree with us, let's slide that Oregon border over a bit. Now, both states have to agree, and Congress has to agree. That's why they're not, it's not going to happen peacefully. So uh, from the old National Bank talking text, text line, somebody said, let's try for the UP. I've said for a long time the UP should be part of Wisconsin. doesn't belong to Michigan. I know there was some arrangement had to do with Toledo, Ohio at some point. Don't care about any of that. It rightfully belongs to the state of Wisconsin, I think. My opinion. Is that controversial? Perhaps. Uh, Steve. I can guarantee you that Bruce is not here yet. He will blow in a couple hours before and, and be given an, and be gone an hour after. He's been doing this a long time and has a road crew that does set up sound checks. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that's true. I hope it's not true, but he has an open invitation, 855-616-1620. I've got uh, about 40 minutes left. Love to have him on. Um, from the 262, I agree that it probably never will happen, but I understand the mindset, where it's coming from. The Democrats and the liberals and a very small group of very loud people are creating issues we all end up paying for in some way. I refuse to believe that 90% of our country believes in the tactics and the processes of the other 10%. If the 10% wants to continue down the road, they should have to suffer the, you know, their own consequences. And perhaps they are, politically. That's the only way they learn. Well, maybe, maybe not even that. Politicians have short memories. Especially when it comes to things like January 6th, election integrity, and all the other nonsense. They have short memories. Because it's uncomfortable to acknowledge things that you don't, you don't like or make your party look bad or make your candidate look bad. I get it. I know how it works. Diane says, get rid of the liars and conspiracy theorists known as MAGA. 75, 75%, 75% of the country wants to get along and compromise. Don't let them hold us hostage to this notion, too. It's time to say, stop. It's my country. And I want it back. Well said, Diane. Well said. Jim from Economowoc. Shifting borders, that is what Putin is doing now in Georgia and Ukraine. They slowly move barbed wire to redefine borders. One day your house is in Georgia. Next thing you know, you're living in Russia. And soldiers don't allow you to leave. Extremism in any form is probably a bad thing. And especially with politics. And I'll call it the um, the, the ge geographical solution is like the lazy person solution to political discourse where people don't get along. Ah, let's just move the border. 
let's get those fill-in-the-blank liberals, let's get those conservatives out of our way and let someone else deal with them. So under that scenario, under that setup, we would have everyone in one location thinking exactly the same thing, everyone in another location thinking the opposite. Just in that weird scenario, how long be- before that becomes a friction point? When even the line, the fake line, the geographical drawing on a map, isn't good enough to separate those two sides. One who believes something radically different than the other side. What happens then? And the answer is ugly, and we've seen this before. Go back to the 1860s. From the 262, the money and the prosperity are still in the liberal areas, same as 1860. Amazing that I mentioned 1860 and the text said the same thing. Uh, interesting points. I would say big cities certainly have a leg up on rural areas because that's where the business is generally. Not all, but most. For example, and you could be living in, in many different states listening to the show, in, in Wisconsin, Milwaukee is the economic engine of the state, about 70% of the economy, which a lot of people forget about when they're trying to equalize things in the state of Wisconsin. The driver, the engine, the computer is in Milwaukee. All the rest of it is people living who have a right to fair, equitable lives under the Constitution and any other law. But the engine is here. So when you are dismissive of the engine or the supercomputer or the the brain of a state's, This is where the work's done. This is where the heavy lifting's done. This is where those jobs that we talk about in the past tense used to be. And could be, again, if we got our heads out of our you-know-whats and did something that made sense. For example, I tooted this out over the weekend. We should be making semiconductor chips in Wisconsin. That process should have started. We should have found a company, Intel or otherwise, that can make that happen for us so we can lead and not just talk about leading. little area south of Milwaukee, all along 94. That corridor, ripe for developments, ripe for great jobs, making products that last time I checked were made somewhere else and have supply chain issues. Uh, a couple more texts from the old National Bank talking text line. Phone lines open, too, if you want to chat on the phone, 855-616-1620. Mitch says, this will be forgotten. It's a passing fancy promoted by the non-serious and fame addicts seeking TV exposure and aided by the strife media that perpetuates our divisions. I would say that's true in like the Marjorie Taylor Greene aspects, but the other part is folks in Idaho are actually having debates about this, real debates, real movements based on this. Uh, Let's see. 773... I can't say the word that you say, but okay, let's cut the BS. America was doing just fine until a small group of people decided that this country is terrible, racist, unfair, and needs to be torn down and rebuilt. So I'll agree with some of that. Do we have racist beginnings in this country? Absolutely. And some of that lingers to today. This is me saying this, not you. I don't think the country is terrible at all. I think it's a great country, best country on the planet. I don't believe we should tear it down. I believe we should make it better. The way you make it better is not to tear each other down. The way we make it better is not to make the other party the enemy, but to work with them. 
I understand that on some TV and radio squawk shows, that pays the bills and makes some people really rich. Those are people who make a living talking. Those aren't people who make a living actually producing anything or living in the real world, i.e. saying one thing on the air, saying something else when you're under oath. Wink, wink, nod, nod to the truth there. A couple more texts. Another Foxconn question mark. Look, whatever Foxconn will end up being, whether it's Foxconn or somebody else, I'm a fan of actually thinking big picture. And the big picture impact of that story, which is what I care about, infrastructure in place, ready to welcome an Intel or another company that can produce a product that's, one, badly needed, and two, puts our people at work, makes people come to Wisconsin. Because right now, people aren't moving to Wisconsin. And you can ask yourself why that is. I've got some answers. Part of it is the political infighting that we always do here. Part of it is some of the noisemakers who make this a place that people don't want to move to because it's too too much vitriol, too much, too much hate based on where one lives or what party they belong to. Uh, 262, use Foxconn to make something like computer chips. Absolutely. I understand that Intel was part of that conversation. But whether it's Intel or somebody else, that's what we should be focused on doing. Available space, available manpower, infrastructure in place to make it happen, move people easily, move product easily. That's the next step. Find the company, Foxconn or somebody else. If you think this is from the 262, I'll close with this before we go to break. If you think the war in Ukraine is ugly, imagine an American civil war. Drones, rocket artillery satellites. My words, there's about 400 million plus guns in this country. Good luck hiding when a pack of bulletproof Boston Dynamics dogs are ravaging your rural paradise. A little extreme, but the point's a good one. Point well taken. Most Americans have no idea what they're talking about. Most Americans haven't served like me, didn't serve. Until you see that up front and personal, you're just spouting stuff based on what you hear and see. May or may not be real life. Probably isn't. We'll take a break. We'll get to the news after this. Beautiful simply does not describe the incomparable force of the world, known to the world as Patti LaBelle. Beautiful, soulful, just some of the words to describe her incredible grace, style, elegance and class, rhythm and blues, pop, standard, spiritual sonnets. This is your second chance of five this week to win two tickets. Patti LaBelle, a rescheduled concert. We all know what happened in the first one. Riverside Theater, May 20th. Caller number six. Caller number six to 855-616-1620. We'll win a pair of tickets to see the awesome Patti LaBelle. One more time. 855-616-1620. Three more chances to win after this. Because I'm generous, 855-616-1620. All right. This has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about. Because I want to get to this McDonald's thing. But I'm just flipping through social media, Facebook and Twitter, the two that I'm mainly occupied on. And um, another potential Tom Brady unretire. Can he get some counseling or something? One day he's a professional comedian he wants to be. The other day he's retiring. Now apparently making signs or showing signs he wants to. What's wrong with this dude? 
Figure your life out. Take a pause, broadcaster. Take a pause. Refresh the brain cells. Look sad. All that money, all that talent, all those Super Bowl wins, you look sad. All right, enough of that. All right, so I, I teased this story. Now, I'm, I'm, full disclosure, I'm a big fan of McDonald's. I, I don't eat there very often because, frankly, I would eat too much. I love their food. Whether it's a regular hamburger, a Big Mac, large fry, whatever it is, I love it. And then I hear this last night, and full credits on Fox News. Give them credit. They had Mr. Kevin McGinnis from Tennessee on predicting a massive weight loss six months with an all-McDonald's diet. Listen to what he says. So literally the concept, I was a boxer, I wrestled in school, and you have to cut. You have to cut to make weight. So cutting yeah. the calories, cutting the food in half. If I ate three meals a day, I cut them in half. And I seek the heat before I eat, meaning I wait until that, that heat in your stomach that says you're hungry. Everyone else calls it hunger. I call it my incinerator turning on to get rid of all the excess and also burn off some of the fat off my body. And then I'll have that next meal. No meeting, no eating hours, no counting, no measuring. Just cut the meals in half. Eat three of them a day when you're hungry. And my belief is we'll be 50 pounds down by the end of the 100 days. Better blood work and better health. You don't believe me to follow along. Let's find out. So, okay, so a couple things here. One, big fan of McDonald's. Tim, my local manager at my McDonald's by my house, love your food. Love your people that work there. They're great. Quick. Good at their job. Having said that, if I ate McDonald's straight, three meals, first of all, three meals, I, don't, I rarely eat three meals a day. If I did, I'd be 300 pounds. That's just my metabolism or whatever. Genetics. Blame it on whatever you want to blame it on, but... Now, if I, if I didn't have to worry about that, yeah, I'd probably have McDonald's a lot, every day probably. At least once a day I'd have McDonald's, whether that's a breakfast sandwich. Who doesn't like a sausage McMuffin with cheese? Come on, delicious. Or a double cheeseburger with large fries, or a Big Mac, and or chicken nuggets, or whatever it is. We all love it. My grandkids love the nugs and the fries. But, I don't know if you were listening carefully, he says he cuts the meals in half, so you're one, you're wasting food. I, I don't know how else to say it. Unless you're storing the food and then in the other half in the second meal, but then you get to the third meal and you got a half a meal that you're going to carry over to the next day. So the math doesn't work, but set that aside. Under his, uh, and I understand this may be a, a quest for fame, and he, he does have it, he had the clever slogans and the, uh, the plan in place. So he was on a major news show talking about it, so credit him for at least doing that. But couldn't you do the same thing if you cut every meal in half? So for, say, for example, my wife made a wonderful, Kathy made a wonderful, like I call it a steak soup. It's basically small cuts of beef in broth with vegetables, fresh vegetables. You cut whatever you're eating. I had one bowl. If you cut that to a half a bowl, I would guess over time you're going to lose weight. It doesn't have to be McDonald's. It could be anything. And yeah, feeling hungry before you eat, two things really matter. Feeling hungry before you eat again, sure. But also eating slower, and this is the problem I have, eating slowly enough so your body 
or your brain catches up with your stomach. So you stop eating when you're full because you're, you're not going to know for a bit. And they end up stuffed, overstuffed, and then we all know what that feels like. And one of the, the, the last time I lost 40 pounds, which is about three years ago, the way that I did it was I actually did this. I cut my meals sort of in half, but not like he's doing it. I didn't go to McDonald's and do it. But I didn't eat as much. I didn't snack. And I didn't eat after like 6 o'clock. And that's the easy recipe to losing weight. And obviously some walking and in general exercise is a good thing. That's different for everybody. It could be aerobic. could be just general walking. One of the re- reasons my parents are healthy well into their 80s is because they walk most days at Southridge, even in the winter, outside in, in the summer. Moving your joints. I, I was telling a teammate the other day, one of the best things you can do just sitting here, move your knees. Get those knees, some blood going in them. So when you wake, when, not when you wake up, but when you get up, there's some blood flowing in your legs. You don't feel like you're going to fall over or your knees don't work. They will work because there's blood moving through them. From the 262, exactly, Steve, the guy invented 1,500 calories a day diet. It will work, but he should probably take some vitamins, too. Yeah, I was just talking about vitamins upstairs because one of the younger teammates here was mixing vitamins into his, looked like oatmeal, but whatever he was eating. Um, I take a ton of vitamins every day. Does that make you healthy? I guess so. Whether it's McDonald's or something else, there's no magic formula. Everybody's different. Everybody has their own way. For example, if I started, and I wouldn't do this because my doctor advised I shouldn't go back to running. If I ran an hour every day, I would be a thin person because I've done that and I was much thinner. Now, my knees won't take that kind of wear and tear anymore, so I won't be doing that. But you have to find other ways. You walk. You eat less. You stop eating at 6 or 6.30. And don't eat again until the morning, after 6 or 6.30. It's 12 hours of essentially fasting. I'm not a nutritionist, but whether it's the McDonald's thing or something else, it's really more than that. This is a guy who wants to be on TV, and he got his 15 minutes, maybe 12. And Mr. McGinnis, hey, I, I hear I love to eat McDonald's every day. But the magic isn't the McDonald's. It's in the cutting the meals in half and listening to your stomach slash brain. That's the magic. That's the diet of this diet. Quick break. The boss of Pfizer Forum tonight. I will be there. A full report tomorrow at 9.08 right here in WTMJ from our beautiful Avenue Studios on Wisconsin Avenue in the awesome city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, I said it for the haters out there. Thanks for tuning in. However you find us over the air online podcast. Our podcast now, thanks to our brilliant work of producer Brandon Snide, are available wherever you get podcasts. The big ones, you know, Apple, Spotify, and the like. And at WTMJ.com. Every show in its complete run, which I think is, what's the time? on? It's like a couple hours, right? If you take all the commercials out, a couple hours and news is out of it. So if you want an intense, quick listen, great way to uh, relax. Improve your brain functioning. Listen to common sense and logic, not crazy talk. The podcast is there for you. You can also find it at WTMJ.com, as I said, and individual interviews. Uh, for example, all the interviews we did last week as part of WTMJ Conversations, all right there for you. If you missed our interviews with the Supreme Court candidates, TMJ4's Charles Benson helped me with those. We had some fun, both in the interview and 
away from the interview. Uh, Charles is a great guy, smart guy, and you want to talk politics in Wisconsin, Charles, his coverage of politics in Wisconsin is incredibly good, showing off his great talent when it comes to uh, doing his job. The professionalism of a Charles Benson is one of the reasons I invited him in to help us out with that. So thanks to Charles Benson for doing that. All right. A um, couple quick comments on the uh, McDonald's guy. Mr. Kevin McGinnis, appearing last night on Fox, sharing his 50-pound, he says he's going to lose 50 pounds in 100 days. Now, I hope they bring him back on after 100 days to see if he lost 50 pounds. I will be following that story because it might, might shock you, but even though I call Fox the Not News Network, I do watch Fox, MSNBC, CNN, some of the other ones. It's part of doing a job on the radio. Uh, one more from Mitch. He wouldn't be famous if he cut home-prepared home meals in half. The preposterous idea that he could do it on McDonald's is the gimmick. It's genius, yeah. And it's also great for McDonald's. They get some free attention as well, and they probably don't necessarily need it, but as they often say, that's the kind of publicity you want. All right. So this is this is one of those personal things that is actually a bigger story. I don't have a ton of time to flesh it out. Maybe I'll get to it at a later date. But So yesterday, I cashed in my change thing. We all have these, right? You throw the change from your pockets. Now, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm like a a debit card guy, I track my spending every day. I look at my credit card, I look at my debit card, and I see where my money goes. Cash is not really a thing, but on the rare occasion when I use cash and I get change, I throw it into this receptacle that sits on my dresser in my bedroom. And yesterday was cash and day. It probably been a year and a half at least. I had about 120 bucks, I think was the total, little, maybe a little more than that. And I'm thinking to myself, and I looked this up. This will be the dazzling detail of this. Like, how much money we spend producing things like pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters. And at the end of the day, it's, it's hundreds of millions of dollars that the government incurs producing these things. Now, I think pennies are the most worthless thing in the world, and we actually give our pennies to our grandkids, and they put them in this big container that I've given them. And the thing weighs like 50 pounds now because I had to get them out of my house and my oldest grandson, Max, thinks it's the most amazing thing in the world, and so we give him a collection of our pennies every time we see him. But the bigger question is, why are we still doing this? Why are we playing with currency? I get the collectors. That's a different thing. You know, you know, get the shiny quarter. Hopefully it's sealed, and you can collect them online and watch shows. My old TV provider had endless channels of coin collectibles. Thankfully, my new provider... YouTube TV, I can either eliminate those or they have very few of those kind of channels. The the endless channels of cooking products, coin collecting, jewelry, all the other home shopping stuff, that's out of my life now, and I can tell you I'm a much happier man because of it. But on the currency thing, why do we need this? Just because a few people like cash? So what? I'm sure a few people would like to have steam engine vehicles and trains, but... So what? Things move on. I'm sure people like some people like landlines. Oh, I'll never give up my landline, but the rest of us have moved on. High speed, Wi-Fi, a debit world, a cashless society. For example, you go to the Third Street Market Hall, it's cashless. And yet we all survive. Once a week I have a nice lunch out there. I don't rant and rave about it. I don't have a panic attack. 
I don't need it. I don't need pennies because they're going into a jar in my bedroom that just sits there 24 7, 365. And then a year and a half later, I cash it in. I got 120 bucks or 150 bucks, whatever it is. And yet it's costing our government millions and millions of dollars to produce these things that are ending up in our coin jars or coin trays. And I thought about this last night. I have literally not used coins to pay for something. Like, let's say it was three fifty-seven at my local quick trip. Cup of coffee and a protein bar, whatever it is. I would never, like, count out 57 cents. One, I'm not going to be carrying those coins. Two, I'm not going to wait, have somebody wait while I coin, uh, count coins in line. Debit, quick trip card, in, boom. Debit card, in, boom. Is that the total? Good. Done. That's how technology works, folks. And as I've said over the last few months, this notion that we're going to hang on to stuff that's inefficient, costs us money because we like it, seems dumb to me. Seems really like a waste of time. From the 414. See, if I only take cash instead of getting stiff for bad checks, phony credit cards, I know I'm odd. I get it. Business owners have a much different set of rules that we all have to live with. I'm just talking about a consumer. Debit card, boom, in, out. And I understand there's fees. I get it. Convenience, worth it. Every day at the end of the day, this, this is my habit. Maybe it's yours. Maybe it's not. I see what I spent. Every year I look at my spending to see where I spent my money, where I could save it. For example, I trimmed my TV bill by $1,200 annually by decision to move from Uverse to YouTube TV. Seems like a smart decision. From the old National Bank talking text line, you must be nuts. <laughs> okay. Here's another one. You must be well off. Others live paycheck to paycheck. Whether you live paycheck to paycheck or not, the best thing about cashless is you are actually tracking every cent, in this sense, the digital sense of a cent, to your spending and your budget, and you know exactly how you fall. Spending too much, I have a little extra cash, I can spend it for this. I can spend it on a Bruce Springsteen concert once every five years. That's the value. We'll take a break, see what Jeff Wagner is going to talk about. That's next on WTMJ.